We're going to be in Exodus 20 this morning, verses 1 through 3. Then God spoke all these words. I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. Do not have other gods besides me. Yeah, let's, let's uh, go to the Lord in prayer. So, Father, we thank you for the privilege today to come together, to be in your house, to worship, study your word, fellowship. Scott, right now, we just we pray that you open our spiritual eyes and ears. So this is time for you to pray. So pray something like that. God, just open my spiritual eyes and ears. Help me to hear and see what you want me to hear and see. God, we consecrate this time to you, O oh God. We pray that it comes under your kingdom authority rule. We pray that you would reign and rule over every aspect of everything that happens right now. Help us focus in on you, God, and what you have to say. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Yeah, so when I was a, a little boy, I remember getting my first uh, full-size bicycle. I was so little. I was about seven, maybe at the most, five to seven years old. I was so little that I'd have to run beside the bicycle and then jump up on it because I couldn't start from a complete stop. And I remember when I got, when I got that bicycle, that was, like, that was like a mark of freedom for me, moving up from the little bicycle to the big bicycle. I felt like I could go anywhere I wanted to go. And there was one place in town that I really, really loved. It was uh, back then, back in these days, our uh, gas stations didn't have like the little, you know, stores inside of them where you could buy drinks and candy and all that. But there was one store in town that had all the candy. I mean, like it was, it, you walked in, and I mean, like it was, the, it was a big, huge, U-shaped aisle, all kinds of candy. Well, my dad, he chewed tobacco. He didn't call it tobacco, he called it backer. He chewed tobacco. And this is where he would go buy his tobacco, and we'd walk in there, and me and, me and my um, next brother up would walk in and say, okay, boys, go pick out one piece of candy. So we'd go in, I'd pick out a piece of candy. That was, that was the place where I thought that's where I needed to be. So when I got my big bicycle, I decided that put a little money in my pocket, and I was going to go down to the candy store. And so I took off. You know, back in that day, I had certain parameters. I'll stay within the neighborhood. This was outside the neighborhood. But my parents did not know what was best for me, and I knew what was best for me. The best thing for me was to be at the candy store getting the candy. The problem is, is that when I got on the bicycle, and I took off, and I got outside the neighborhood, and I started going what I thought was towards the candy store, I got lost. Man, I was just going all over. I didn't know where I was until finally I just rode the bicycle off the ditch and just jumped on the ditch there and just sat there, and I did not know what I was going to do. Fortunately, my father, my dad, realized that after a while I was missing, and he came and he found me and brought me back home. The point being is that I thought what was best for me was a candy store. I thought that since he found me, he should take me to the candy store. I needed some comfort. I thought the next morning when I woke up, they should take me to the candy store. I thought for lunch and for dinner, they should take me to candy. I should go to the candy store every, every meal. That's all I should get is candy. That's what I thought. In my mind, that's what would be best. And when I got freedom, that's where I headed. So i got to ask you a question this morning. Why is it that we are so opposed to the laws of God? Now, were my, were my, were my parents being mean to me because I didn't go eat candy breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Or are they doing something very loving for me? Were they being good parents or bad parents? See, I think that what we misunderstand, we think about the law, is we forget, we, we detach the law from the lawgiver. When you've got the lawgiver and you understand this, 
then the law makes a whole, whole lot more sense. So, you know, I have to, you have to understand something. <laughs> There's a little bit of, I mean, like, in me, like any time I've ever preached about the Ten Commandments, in the culture church I grew up with, that was a bad thing. Don't preach for the Ten Commandments because in the Ten Commandments, you become very legalistic. And that's the culture I grew up in. I grew up in a very legalistic culture. You follow these rules, and you'll be blessed. You follow these rules, God will be happy with you. And if you don't follow these rules, it's no wonder your life's such a mess. Okay, so let me have you understand something. If, if you've been, the great thing about going verse by verse is we've got an understanding now that God these are God's people. He has already, you know, as you would say, adopted them as his children. So it's not like you keep the Ten Commandments and you get to be my child. It's not like you keep the Ten Commandments because you are my child. So you're not earning the right to, to get into heaven. I've had people, I've asked people before, so what do you think it takes to get to heaven? People going to church, been to church years and years and years. What do you think it takes? What does God expect from you to get to go to heaven? Well, you know, keep the Ten Commandments. Okay, so... If you're thinking that this morning, let me put your mind at rest. God is not expecting you to keep the Ten Commandments, and if you keep the Ten Commandments, now you get to go to heaven, okay? We're, we're, we're in a whole different, and I understand something too. These people here that God's talking to, it's not like you keep the Ten Commandments and you get to go to heaven. This is not, you know, like, I used to think too, that, okay, so the Old Testament, they had to keep the Ten Commandments, and they kept the Ten, nobody went to heaven then, because nobody can keep the Ten Commandments, So let's talk about this, the first commandment. James just got reading those, those three verses right there. Let's talk about this for just a moment. Do you have to believe in God to go to heaven? Yes, you do. <laughs> you, know, you have to have faith to go to heaven. Yes, you do. But you have to understand something. There's something much more than just having faith in God to go to heaven. James says, you believe that God is one. Good, exclamation mark. Even the demons, look at that. They believe and they shudder. It doesn't say they believe and that they have faith. It doesn't say that they believe and they, they repent. It doesn't say that they are, they're transformed. So like there's something more than just having faith this morning. Here's what I gotta talk to you about this morning. You might see this down the end of your, your message notes right there, or points, is that we're gonna talk about justifying faith. There's something, there's, when we talk about faith, saving faith, justifying faith, that's more than just merely believing in God. There's a lot of people in hell right now who believed in God when they walked on the face of this earth. So we're talking about a whole different level of your faith, justifying faith. Because when we talk about, hey, there is one God, okay, so that's great, we, all, we recognize that, but what does, God, I mean, what does God expect from me? What does God require of me? What does God expect from me? I mean, as far as like, if I want to get big concerned about getting into heaven, then what does God expect from me? That's what you're wondering, then you're at the right church service this morning because we're going to look at what the Bible has to say about that. Let's talk about law for just a moment. When we talk about law in the context of the Bible, see, we talk about Ten Commandments, we always think about law, God's laws. So what does it mean by that? It refers to a set of rules and guidelines that God gave to his people to guide how they act and how they relate to God and to be so like... The whole purpose of the law is so they'll know how to relate to one another and, and to God. So here's what, listen to me now. God is trying to keep them from becoming Egyptians. They've been in Egypt for 400 years, 
And they get out, God sets them free, they go through the Red Sea, they come out the other side, and God's trying to show them this is, how you, this is how you are not to be an Egyptian. This is what it means to be my child. This is what it means for you to live in the kingdom, me to be your king, and you live in the kingdom. You're not in the kingdom of Egypt anymore. Pharaoh's not your master. Now I'm your king. Now I'm your God. So he's trying to show them this. If you look at the law, there's 613 of them, by the way. If you look at the law, it even talks about how they're to treat their slaves. Trying to keep them from becoming Egyptian. And you know, some of y'all know, when, when Moses goes up on the mountain for 40 days, we're, we're here, we're about to see, they lose their mind and turn back into Egyptian. They get a golden calf, start worshiping the golden calf. So, why do you hear in the church, you've heard sermons and sermons and sermons, and why do you hear this? You're to be in the world, but not... Look at that. I'm going to have to preach to y'all. Y'all already know the sermon. I'm just helping y'all out. So what does that mean that I'm to be in the world but not of the world? Because there's a world system just like for them that they're trying to keep from being Egyptians where Jesus is trying to keep from us from being overwhelmed by the world and being of the world and being like the mindset of the world, like everybody else. But the born again, redeemed, transformed, changed. For now, you've got a relationship with God that changes everything. I'm not trying to keep the Ten Commandments. Please hear that. My goal, I got more. Man, I sure hope I keep the Ten Commandments today. It's the first thing from my mind. My heart and my mind is set on my father. After my dad brought me back home, do you know how many more times I ran off? Zero. That's because I don't know if it's you. I'm the type of person I have to learn my lesson the hard way. Don't tell me. Let me go out there and mess it all up and let me hurt myself, and I'll learn then. What God is doing with us is the same thing. It's not about you've got to keep this. It's like I'm just trying to protect you. When I got back home, they had, they, my mom and dad had sat down explaining to me, listen, the whole reason we didn't want you to leave the neighborhood is because you go out there and get lost and something bad would happen. I learned now. See, I got it now why I'm not supposed to. I never left again until I was older, old enough to go do that. So whenever God, listen, when he lays out the law, he's just saying this is how, this is what it looks like to be my, my child, mine. I love you. I'm doing this for your protection, for your own good. So the Ten Commandments. It is amazing to me. Like, so here's, here's our problem. Whenever we in, we in New Testament, New Covenant Christians today here in America, we're like, okay, we don't become legalistic. We don't get focused too much on the law. The law is not for us. For the new. So here's what happens. We swing so far away from this to where now most Christians don't even know what the Ten Commandments says. You do realize at one time that whenever our public school students went to school, the Ten Commandments were on the wall? Oh, and by the way, before they took the Ten Commandments off the public school wall, do you know what the number one problem was? Chewing gum in class. Number two was talking in class. That was their two main problems before they took the Ten Commandments off the wall. It doesn't really matter. doesn't make that big of a difference. Okay, so you can argue that all day long if you want to, but, I mean, look, you look at the results. I mean, things have went a little bit different today. And I don't think it's just because of the Ten Commandments off the wall. I think taking the Ten Commandments off the wall was indicative of where our culture is. So we get offended by what when God trying to lovingly help us and we get offended by this. Oh, did y'all want me to read those to you? Yeah, here we go. Do not have any other gods besides that's what we're doing this morning. Next week, do not make for an idol for yourself. We'll talk about that a little bit. This, these kind of go together a lot. Matter of fact, there's some traditions that put those commandments together. Do not misuse the name of the Lord your God. And that didn't just mean you use a cuss word, by the way. We'll talk about that. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. 
Don't skip church on that Sunday. Honor your father and mother. Do not murder. Look at the difference when you get to five. All these up here, verse four, relating how we relate to God, not how we relate to one another. Do not murder. Do not commit adultery. Do not steal. Do not give false testimony against your neighbor. And I've heard people say before, well, you know, the New Testament Jesus has taken us to the spirit of the law to where now, you know, the Old Testament, this law is about what you do in action, but the New Testament is about what you feel in your heart. There's one problem with that. That's in your heart. Do not covet. There's grace in the Old Testament law just like there's grace in the New Covenant that Jesus gave us. So don't miss the love. And the matter of fact, I think that now, let's go ahead and get that first point right here this morning. You got on your outline right there. The Ten Commandments display the sovereignty, the jealousy, justice, holiness, honor, faithfulness, providence, truthfulness, and the love of God. God is a jealous God. You know that, right? So I mean, like when we look at that, we see we think of jealousy most time in our context as a negative thing. But the jealousy of God is that jealous, that jealousy right there is actually a good thing because God doesn't want us worshiping something else. He, he is jealous for our love. And I, we look at that and we say, man, that just doesn't seem right that God will be that way, that he's so exclusive. That's what you and I need. We need God to be exclusive to where he's our only God. That's what the whole point of this whole first commandment is, that he's the only God, that he's exclusive. He's the only one. And our problem is that our heart goes after other gods. Naturally, my flesh wants to worship other gods. Primarily, my heart wants to worship me. Man, listen, every, that's why it says that i got to be crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives in me. The life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Because my problem, all of us, our problem is we, get, we inch ourselves back up on that throne every day. got to come back and pray again, get, get David Yarbrough off the throne because he's a terrible God. He wants to reign and rule over my life. Get him off the throne. Jesus, you're back on the throne. You are number one. God, it's you. You are my God. Don't let me rule myself. So, this is the New Testament. Sermon on the Mount. You've heard me say this. Some of y'all listen to me preach all the time. It's a, it's, a, it's a broke record thing, okay? Over and over again, I'm going to say this. Sermon on the Mount, most important sermon ever preached in my estimation. The most important sermon ever preached, Matthew 5, 6, and 7. I think the thesis statement is found right here, Matthew 6, 33. Seek the kingdom of God above all else. How do I seek the kingdom of God if I don't know what it is? So y'all may get worn out on me talking about the kingdom, but I feel like it's my responsibility to remind myself and remind all of us what the kingdom is. Because you're living in the kingdom of this world. And if you don't get reminded, if we don't get reminded what the kingdom of heaven is, we're going to just naturally just drift right into the kingdom of this world, and it's going to be reigning and ruling over us. With us as our own gods. Making, that's when we make a mess of our life. because we don't keep the Ten Commandments, because we got the wrong God on the throne. above all else, and live righteously. So how do you know how to live righteously? We're going to talk about that this morning. The only way that I know how to live righteously is if I know the Word of God. That's why God gave us a Bible. And he will give you everything that you want. I want the candy store. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner, God. That's not what you need. So you'll destroy yourself. You get that, you'll make yourself sick, and you'll, 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 get, you'll destroy yourself. You mean if I just go my own way and I'm my own God, I'll destroy my life? That's exactly what the Bible's telling us. Number two. So let's talk about seeking God. Okay, so this, so like, please understand, number two, 
I'm not just saying you do this, you got seeking the kingdom first down, no problems. I'm saying this, this right here includes, key word, includes, seeking God includes studying God's attributes. If I'm not, listen, if I don't know how good God is, I'm not going to want to follow his commandments. It's just that simple. But I mean, like, whenever my dad came and got me and brought me back, once again, they had to set me down and go, listen, we did this because we love you. I mean, like, I got that. The reason that God has rescued you, some of you, man, you were lost, you were undone, you were going the wrong way, you were done wrecked out, you were in the ditch, and Jesus came and got you. No one had to sit down and go, listen, the reason Jesus rescued you is because he loves you. You understand that. You remember the ditch. You remember the pain. You remember the heartache and the lostness, and you got it now. It's not an intellectual thing. Preacher, come and help me understand this. You got it. You've experienced it. Seeking God includes studying God's attributes and choosing him. As a primary focus of our heart, prioritizing him above all other things. So why do you let this? Okay, so why do you get up in church and you hammer over and over again? First thing in the morning, every morning, you got to pray. You got to study God's word. Why do you say that, man, I'm too busy to do that? Because I'm telling you this. The reason you are too busy to do that is because you are too blessed to see God. God can lovingly pull those blessings out of your life to where you, all you got is time. You ever end up on the back in a, in, a, in a hospital room? You got plenty of time now. You get, you're getting bad enough bind and you'll start praying like you never prayed before. Yeah, so we just, we're gone two weeks on vacation, driving back home. We were coming across um, New Mexico, got dark. Man, we're living, man, listen, I'll tell you something. I ain't using my windshield wipers and... I don't even know how long. We got into a storm. Two-lane highway. Dark. Got dark. We lost two hours coming back. Got dark. Turning on the windshield wipers. Pouring down rain. Wind was blowing like crazy. Guess what happened when I turned those windshield wipers on? Yeah, you guessed it. It was worse. Trucks coming the other direction. 18-wheelers. The wind was blowing them into my lane. I could not see them. Too late, nothing out. I don't know if you're going across, there's nothing out there. You don't stop, pull over your side of the road. Anything. So guess what I started doing really hard? I was praying harder than I was driving. Because I was not driving by sight anymore. I was driving by faith. My point is this. God can get us in a situation to where we will pray. So I mean, if you make it through this day and you're like, man, I didn't pray today. <laughs> you're living a good life. You should thank God. Right there. God, listen, that's good enough life. They didn't need to pray. But then on the other hand, too, so why, why do you do this? Why, why do you so concerned with people praying, reading the Bible every day, first thing in the morning like that? Because, listen, you got a loving father that wants to have a great relationship with you. If you don't pray and read your Bible, you're not communicating with him. How on earth can you have a good relationship with anybody or anything if you're not communicating? That's the whole point of it right there. Because you got, listen, if you're not doing it, you don't know the attributes. You don't know the goodness of God in your life. You start living for yourself. You come to the kingdom of this world and things will come undone. You'll end up in the ditch again. Some of you have been in that ditch several times. Y'all like Saturday day saying, man, listen, I don't want to go back in that ditch. Well, I'm telling you, life is hard. You're going to hit some hard stuff. You live a few more days from here, you're going to hit some more hard stuff. You need to have that truth in your heart and in your mind. That is your discipline. You've got to do this. Here it is. Then God spoke all these words. Why on earth would he start off, Exodus chapter 20, verse 1, with God spoke all these words? Because now, listen, when everything goes crazy at my house, 
I go back there and I hit the knock on the doors. I, mean, I hit, yeah, boom, 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 hit the doors. Boys, get in the living room. We're having a family meeting. And they come in there and they sit down on the couch. And I sit down with them and I say, here's what's went wrong and here's what's going to happen to correct this. So right here, they're having a family meeting. Everybody's at the foot of the mountain. God comes up there and he says, listen, y'all all sit down. Here's where we went wrong and here's what's going to make everything right right here. Here's how everything's going to go right between me and you and each other. We all going to get along after this, okay? So now God, God has never spoke like this before. If he's never spoke like this before, then we should listen like we never listened before, right? It's written in stone, by the way. Do you know why it's written in stone? Because it's forever. It's permanent. Not writing on a scroll on this one, man. It's on stone. I just throw one more thing in for free, too. We've always seen the Ten Commandments, you know. Five on one side, five on the other, two tablets. Probably wasn't that way. Two tablets back in that time. This was a covenant. When they'd have a contract, they'd write up a contract, they'd write up two copies. One for you, one for me. So very well could have been all on one tablet, two tablets, but all ten on each of them. Some of y'all right now are like, oh, that messes up all those movies I've seen. <laughs> I don't know, I'll tell you. How important is the Bible to you this morning? My question for you, listen. I want to tell you something. Like, I, listen, I fully realize this, that when I get up here and talk about reading your Bible every day, praying every day, some of y'all are just like, hey, you know, but you're a preacher. That's not for me, though. Okay, so I want to tell you something. Understand this. It's all contingent on what you want. If you don't want this, God's not going to force this on you. So, I mean, I'm asking you an honest question right now. I mean, like you say, listen, when I prioritize important things, how important is the Word of God in my life? So if you're sitting here right now, you go, man, David, it's a 10. It's the most important didn't read my Bible any of this past week. Okay, so listen, that means in practice things aren't working out. You see what I'm saying? So I'm asking you right now, how important is God's word to you? God spoke all these words for you today. Look at this. New Testament says, all scriptures inspired by God and profitable for teaching, for rebuking. Because I need rebuking. And it's for correct. Listen, if you read the Bible and it doesn't rebuke you and it doesn't correct you, then you're not reading it right. For training, and I don't know what righteous living is if I'm not reading the Bible. So that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good. I won't know what God wants me to do if I don't know the Bible. For the word of God is living. It's different than any other book you'll ever read. There isn't any other book on the face of this earth you're going to read that's alive. It is a lie. It's living. I mean, you read the same thing a hundred times. And you might get a hundred different things, application. It's all the same, but different hundred ways it applies to your life. I mean, I read that Bible through. Listen. If you ever read the Bible very much, you will see that when you get to a different season, a different point, that same message has a different application. The Word of God is living, effective, and sharpening a double-edged sword, penetrating as far as separating the soul. Man, that's pretty deep, the soul from the spirit. Doctors can't do that. Nobody can do that but God and his Word, his spirit, the joints and the marrow. <laughs> that's deep as it gets, man. It's able to judge the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. Listen, you need your thoughts and your intentions. You need those judged. You do realize something. Our greatest enemy is ourself, right? Self-deception. Man, I, I am justified in thinking this way, feeling this way. All, I, can't, I can't help how I think. Listen, I'll agree with you on that. We can't help how we think. Struggle with it. We all struggle with that every single day. But the Word of God helps me to think right. I take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ. I don't know what the obedience of Christ is if I don't read His Word. So now God goes on, verse 2, and He says, 
I am the Lord your God. How many times have we seen that? Over and over in Exodus we see that. Personal name of God, Yahweh your Elohim. Personal name of God. Here is what God's saying. Before he gives them the law, before he tells them what you're going to, this is how we relate to it. Before that, he says, who brought you out of the land. Is that grace? Did God graciously bring them out? you got to get verse 2. Listen, we don't need to read any of the rest of the commandments if we don't read verse 2 because we miss the whole intention of the law. God is doing this out of love. said, I lovingly, graciously rescued you. This is why I'm giving you this. I'm not giving it to be mean. Listen, I thought my parents were being so mean because they didn't get enough candy. Well, they, they weren't doing it because they were mean. Do you realize something? There's a vast difference between the way I understand life and the way God does the creator of everything. I mean, I can get all the life experience and I can read the Bible through and through and through and I'll never be on the same level with God. He, all, he knows the beginning to the end. He knows all, he sees all of history past to history future. That's why he could write Revelation, what's gonna happen. You didn't realize that, right? We haven't made it there yet. You got in that last book in the Bible, Revelation, he tells us how it's all gonna end because he already sees it. That's weird, isn't it? He's already there. He's here, but he's there. He's not bound by time and space. So he knows. He knows everything. He rescued, brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the place of slavery. So listen, you've been set free to live free. I write that down. You've been set free to live free. I set you free. Now this is how you live free. Because I, <laughs> hey, listen, I was set free. I, I mean, like, if I wanted to just put a marker on it, a timeline, I think I was always in, you know, like, God was always moving in my heart. I have a hard time with that whole when I said the prayers when I was saved. But marker on that would be 11 years old. That's when I surrendered my life, however you want to put it, okay? Here's what I can tell you. From 11 to 21, I lived in bondage. Went to church, Sunday school, lived in bondage. I was a bondage to sin and a bondage to myself. I was, I was playing you know what Simon says? You know the game? Simon says, stand up, everybody stands up. Simon says, sit down, everybody stand up. Look over that way. Look over, oh, you're out. I was playing Jesus says. Jesus says, read your Bible. Jesus says, pray. Look over there. Oh, you're out. So easy to get out. I couldn't keep up with Jesus says. And then I would see other people in the church that could play the game. They stay in the game. But they were mean as all get out. They were the meanest people in the church, and they stayed the game. So then they're like, oh, hey, David, listen, go out, get other people to come play the game with us. And I'm like, why would I want to get people to play a game that we can't win, and the people who do win are the meanest, meanest people I know? Until finally one day I realized that this is no game. This isn't a list of do's and don'ts. This is a relationship. I'd heard that a million times, but it never clicked. So I finally understand that this right here, verse 2, that God has rescued you. He set you free to live free. Live free. Man, listen, don't worry about what you're doing and you don't do it. Just focus on your relationship with him. When you get that down, when you get that down, listen, it will change you from the inside out. It's no longer behavior modification. Now it's life transformation from the inside out. I'm not worried about going and pleasing God. I'm worried now about my love. Listen, Jesus already pleased the Father. I'm worried about my position in Christ. I get that position in Christ, right? Man, it changes my heart, changes my mouth, changes what I want to look at, what I don't want to look at, where I want to go, where I don't want to go. Changes everything. 
I didn't get it this morning. I thought, mm, man, I want to go to church today. My flesh didn't. My spirit did. And the Holy Spirit inside of me, I don't get up every morning and say, man, I want to go read my Bible, do my devotionals. I want to go and go pray. I wake up in the morning, just like I wake up somewhere, I was like, oh, my goodness, what happened last night? You know, I mean, like, this, I feel terrible. We follow our feelings. They will always mislead us. My feelings are not going to discipline me to build my relationship with God. Here it is. Do not have any other little G guys, any more Elohims beside me. Because whenever they were in Egyptian bondage, they had hundreds of Elohims, hundreds of God. They had a God for everything. Amen. Think, right, hey, I'm in a culture today that does not have that. Oh, really? You do realize that you've got a gazillion gods out there? And matter of fact, you can sit in here right now, you can make this into a God. I'm talking about this church. You can make church into a God. Um, you have to be careful, too, not to make this into a God. Fine line here. It's God's word. This right here shows me how to worship God. I don't worship this. I worship God only. Does that make sense? So, I mean, like, we, got, we got all kinds of struggles with all kinds of God. We can make our family a God. We can make our spouse a God. We can make our job a God. We can make our health a God. We can make our finances a God. I mean, we'll talk about that next week, by the way, okay? I'm jumping right in next week already. We have got all kinds. And God, anything I put before God, it's a God. Anything, we will talk about that. Man, I'm getting ahead of myself. Okay, so back to focusing on where we're at right now. So the whole point is this, is that I got to trust in the one true God, not just have faith. We got that? It isn't just that I believe in God. Trusting him is a whole different story. Can I use the illustration once again? The difference between me believing a dude's a doctor when I, but, and me letting him perform surgery on me? I no longer believe. I'm trusting that dude now. See what I got? And I, I just believe in God, but I'm willing to give God every aspect of my life. Everything. It's all yours, God. Here's what I'm to tell you right now. The funny thing is, it already is all his. It's just me surrendering. I'm, not, I'm no longer, David Yarbrough is no longer the God of my life. I've surrendered that. Now you are God. Oh, man, hey, listen, I want to tell you something. That's how you live stress-free, anxiety-free. Because now I know everything that comes to me, it comes through his loving hands. If it comes through his loving hands, and it comes with eternal meaning and purpose for my life. It's here for a reason. Hey, listen, I'll tell you something. If I can stop in that moment when I'm about to lose my mind because of agitation, aggravation, fear, and anxiety, changes my whole perspective. It's hard to do, though, isn't it? That takes the supernatural work of the Holy Spirit inside me to remind me, the reason I'm in this situation right now is because I either got myself in here or because God's allowed me to get in here because he's trying to teach me. Trying, I don't know. Listen, maybe y'all all can learn it just from hearing it, but i got to end up in the ditch. When I'm in the ditch and I'm hurting and I'm wondering, man, I'm going to be rescued. Is this all going to work? I'm going to die in this ditch. When God kind of comes and rescues me, then I'm like, I got it now, God. I'm going to stay close to you, Father. And listen, I'm right here. I, I'm, I'm like, hey, Mom, Dad, I'm going to ride my bicycle, just going right down the street next day. You hear me? Man, there's no busting out there. I'm finally set free. Candy store, here I come. And it's like, I'm going to tell them everywhere I go now. They're not, going to, they're not going to hunt for me again. My relation, our relationship with God should be the same way. Oh, y'all New Testament stuff? 
He said to him, Jesus said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your, you can't do that, by the way. In and of yourself, you cannot do that. That takes a supernatural work of the Holy Spirit inside of you. That's why I'm saying, that's what we've got to be praying about right there. That's one of the things. Say, man, David, I don't really know how to pray. Hey, i got good news for you. The resource room right out there, we have prayer lists that will help guide you. I'm not saying you read the prayer and go by the prayer. You just use that as a guide. And if you do read the prayer, if, listen, that's better than not praying at all. I used to think that I was too spiritual to read prayers until I started reading prayers. Then when I started reading prayers, I was realizing, oh, my goodness, there's value in this. I got my prayers recorded. They're on my, I could pull out my phone right now, hit play, and you'd hear the prayers that were playing this morning as I was getting ready to come to church. As I was stopped for a moment to focus, pray, I have prayers that I read, I've wrote out, and I'll read them to my, I don't, listen, if my morning's too busy or whatever like that, if I get off the wrong, I can at least in the car, hit play, the prayers. It's better than not praying at all. <sighs> Let me, let me be careful of this. I'm not saying that when you pray silently, that doesn't work, because it does. Okay? You can pray silently. You can, matter of fact, y'all might be praying right now, God, please help David finish this up. That's okay. That works. But there's, some, there's more power when it's out. When you're praying silently, I want you guys to understand something. Your enemy can't hear you. Okay, oh, I thought that he could plant thoughts in my mind. He can't read your mind. He can plant thoughts in there. He can't read your mind, though. But whenever you pray it out loud, you're going to set him running then. He's not going to like hanging around when you're praying and you're asking Jesus to bust him up and get him out of your life. He's not going to like hanging around for that. Who is like you among the Elohims, Yahweh? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, revered with praises, performing wonders? Listen, they're starting to get in their saying of who God is, and they're worshiping here. Who will you compare to God with? What likeness will you compare? There's nothing else. When we get to understand who he is, there's nothing else that compares to our God. So whatever you do, whether you eat or drink, or whether you do everything for the glory of God, so I don't categorize God. It's not like, okay, God's here at church today. I'm here right now for you, God. Listen, God, hey, check the box. You see I'm here, God? And then I go out Monday and I go live like the devil the rest of the week. I'll come back next Sunday, God, and I'll check back in. This is my category. We're terrible about that. See, as Americans, you've been taught to categorize everything. You know that, right? You got a category for church, category for work, category for family, category for fun. God, you stay down there in that category and don't come over here. That's not God. God can't be put in one category and he stays over here in church. And I when you need him, you come get him out. He's, gonna, he's either going to be God of all, or you heard it before, he's not going to be God at all. So I mean, like, it's not, I'm going to categorize him. Everything I do has got to be done as him, as the one and only true God, and for his glory. So this right here is the armor of God. I want to show you something very interesting about the armor of God, okay? Stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist. So we're talking about the first piece right here, the belt. The belt's what holds all the rest of the armor together. Righteousness like armor on your chest. There's a chest plate of righteousness. And your feet sandaled with the readiness for the gospel of peace. There's over the feet, there's the sandals of, of readiness for the share of the gospel. Look at this. And in every situation, it's gonna go on and talk about the helmet and stuff like that, but look at this, I'm gonna do this. In every situation, take up Faith is different from all the rest of them. The shield of faith, 
which you can extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Do you know what's different about a shield and all the rest of the pieces of armor? Shield is going to be something that's going to protect even all the rest of the pieces of your armor. You put a breastplate on, it's not going to help your head or your feet. That shield can be moved around and help every aspect of your faith. Not saying the other ones aren't important, but I'm saying this. Why did he choose faith as the shield? The one that's going to be on everything, because this one is so important. Without faith, man, listen, you don't have, the rest of the attributes don't matter. So once again, I come, come back to this. When I talk about faith, I'm not talking about just believing that God exists. I'm talking about trusting. I'm talking about a justifying faith. So what does God want from your faith? That's the question we've got to get down to today. That's why we're here. Here we are. The four components of justifying faith. Knowledge of God and his word. This is what we talked about a while ago. I gotta know, the only way I'm gonna, God has revealed himself through his word. Anytime that anybody comes and says, oh, I got this new revelation from God, if it doesn't line up with his word, then it's wrong. It's all got to line up with Scripture, period, end of the story. So if I don't know Scripture and somebody comes along and says, well, this is what God said. This is, if, it, if I don't know Scripture, and I don't know, then I will be deceived. You, you, you need to be studying your Bible and make sure that what I'm telling you is right. You do realize that, don't you? You can't just sit up here and think, oh, well, yeah, you know, David, he's been doing this for 20-something years, all this kind of junk. And no, I can make mistakes just like everybody else. Go study this for yourself. That's why you got that that all those outlines and all that, you can go study it for yourself. You can watch it online, go back, rewind it. Love this verse right here. Look at this. Write this down in your notes, 1 John 5, 3 through 4. For this is what love for God is. So you don't know what it is? To keep his commands. Wow, man, I thought, David, you said we weren't supposed to be legalistic. I wasn't supposed to be worried about this. Okay, hang on. And his commandments are not a burden. It's not a burden for me to be faithful to Melissa. The reason it's not a burden for me to be faithful to Melissa is because she's got my whole heart, in that area of my heart. That heart doesn't go, I mean, that, that part of my heart doesn't go to anybody else. And that's a decision that I have made. When we made that covenant before God, then my heart goes to no one else. I don't, I don't relate to anybody else like I do to her. So it's not a burden for me to be faithful to her. Does that make sense? Are you with me now? So if my heart is right with God, then it's not, the law is not going to be a burden. All, I don't have a problem with any of it. It's all good now. If my heart's not right with God, I got a problem now. The Ten Commandments and those do's and don'ts, I got a problem now. Because everyone who has been born of God conquers the world. Well, there, there's our struggle right there, the kingdom of this world. If I've been transformed, going to conquer, look at this. This is a victory. Man, you want victory in your life? Here it is. Here is a victory that has conquered the world. What is it? Is it love? Is it Is it joy? Is it unity? It isn't, you know, it's this one word, our faith. This is what conquers the world. This is what changes everything, a justifying faith. Number two, belief that God's word is authoritative and inerrant. Hey, listen, I'll tell you something. If I don't believe the Bible is authoritative and inerrant, then it doesn't matter what anybody says to me about the Bible. I have sat down with people and been like, I remember one time there was um. My boss and my two bosses I was working with when I was in my early 20s, and I was going to church Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, learning the Bible, and they were, they were like hammering me about why I went to church so much and why I believed in God so much. And every time they'd ask me a question, I said, well, the Bible says. And they'd ask me a question, I said, well, the Bible says. 
And then they asked me, like, wait, 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 David, I know the Bible says. And that's when I realized they don't believe the Bible is the inerrant, authoritative word of God, so it doesn't matter what I say. Huh? I mean, there's no winning this argument. There's no argument anymore. I mean, now I mean, if I sit down with those two guys there asking me all these things right here, I would say, oh, the reason I go to church so much is because my heart's been transformed. Man, I love God. That's it. And just leave it at that. And, I, I, and they would say, well, I don't really want to go to church that much. So I'd be like, well, your heart hasn't been transformed, man. That's the whole problem right there. When my heart's been transformed, you can't keep me away now. The instructions of the Lord is perfect. The Bible is perfect, renewing one's life. You need your life renewed? There it is. The testimony of the Lord is trustworthy. I can trust it. Making the inexperienced wise. Because I can take the word of God and it's going to help me make good decisions. The precepts, the truths of the Lord, they're right. Making the heart glad. The commands of the Lord, they're radiant. Making the eyes light up. Oh, man. I don't want to freak you out a little bit because I know it sounds weird because some of y'all now aren't going to look at me. But you can tell a lot by looking in the eyes of someone. Man, I mean, like, there's been situations that I have went into, and they're like, man, this person, they're a great Christian leader, and they're spiritual and all that kind of stuff. And I went in there and took one look at them, and I'm like, no. Man, when their eyes are dark, it's not there. The window to your soul is your eyes. The Word of God right here, it's radiant, making the eyes Light up. You need some more light in your life? Man, play that Bible out. Crank that dude up. It will change everything. Awareness. See, of your desperate need for Jesus. There's no way that any of us can be saved apart from Jesus. You know that, right? There is no way that we're going to get into heaven apart from Jesus. You got that? The only righteousness we got is the righteousness of Jesus. That's why our position in Christ is so important. Here, I'm going to ask you a question. How much do you need Jesus? Here's the good news. God always wants you. He always wants you near. He always wants you close to him. If I'm not aware of my need for him, I'm not going to seek him. It's just that simple. Number D, letter D. Experiencing the life-transforming power of the Holy Spirit, this is where everything changes right here. Going to church, reading your Bible, praying, all those things don't matter one bit until the Holy Spirit starts transforming our heart and our life. This is, that's got to be happening to us. I mean, I'll be miserable sitting in church. I'll be, I won't want to read my Bible. I won't want to pray. All those things will happen right there. I've got to be experiencing this. And listen, so how do I experience the life-transforming power of the Holy Spirit? I've got to be praying. I've got to be reading the Bible. I've got to be engaging with God in this. Look at this. And he saved us, not by works of righteousness that we have done, but according to his mercy, through the washing of the regeneration, the renewal by the Holy Spirit. There it is. Look at that. The Holy Spirit is what renews us. He poured out his Spirit on us abundantly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. Let me ask you something today. Are you saved? Are you glad that you're saved? Are you thankful that you got the Holy Spirit inside of you, changing you and transforming you? Apart from that, we have no hope. We have no joy. We have nothing. Thank God for that. That is what does it right there. Are you, see, like, David, I don't know if I'm really saved. Here's what I can tell you. Are you experiencing the transforming work of the Holy Spirit in your life? If you are, then that is indicative of you being saved. That's how you know that you are saved. So look about the competing competing gods this morning before we head out. Look at this. How do I know if I've got other gods that are competing to be God in my life? 
Who or what do you live for? Man, I mean, is it, are you living for your kids? Are you living for your job? Is that your whole identity wrapped up in that? You're living for sports, living for school? All of your identity wrapped up in something like that? Who or what can you not live that? Say, man, if I don't have that, I will just die. Is there anything in your life like that that you think, I just could not go on without that? Who or what do you run to when you're in trouble? When you're in trouble, man, things go bad. Who or what do you run to? What brings you the most happiness and the least sadness? Number five, who or what is the most important thing in your life? So trust in the one true God. Here's what Jesus says in the New Testament. Sermon on the Mount. You heard that it was said, do not commit adultery. That's in the Ten Commandments, right? But I tell you, everyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. So Jesus takes it to the next level. He says, you even think about it. That's the same thing as breaking. You done broke it when you think about it. When you can't control what you look at and what you think about, you broke it. So a lot of people say, man, just forget it. I can't do that then. That's the whole point. We cannot do it in and of ourselves. That's why we got to have grace. That's why we got to have the transforming life of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. Changing what I want to look, changing my thoughts, changing all of that. So here's what Paul says. I believe one of the greatest Christians who ever lived, he says in Romans chapter 7, when he talks about, man, I can't do this. He said, I try to do what's right, and I always end up doing what's wrong. Then he says, oh, what a miserable person that I am, exclamation mark. Who will free me from this life that is dominated by sin and death? Thank God. There's another expression mark. The answer is in Jesus Christ our Lord. So you see how it is? In my mind, I really want to obey God's law, but because my sinful nature, I'm a slave to sin. So he's talking about this, like the first 10 years of my Christian life. He said, man, I'm trying to do what's right, but I'm a slave. I can't get out of it. I can't break free. As hard as I try, it gets worse and worse and worse. So what's the answer? What's the help? Where do I go to? It's the end of chapter 7. You heard this one all the time. Here's the answer. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are positioned in Christ Jesus. Change the position changes everything. Now there's no condemnation. It's not about right and wrong, about me falling and all that kind of stuff now. Because my position in Christ, it changes everything. Look at this. He explains it now. This is how it changes you. Because the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. Transfer, you see that transfer now? Now because the Holy Spirit in you, you got a whole different law over you now. No longer sin and death. When I sin now, I'm not gonna die as a result. Praise God, I'm not gonna be judged as a result. I'm not under the wrath of God as a result now. Now I can confess, repent, everything's right between me and God, no longer under death. For what the law could not do. So here, let's understand, understand this, one more thing. Look up here at me right quick, okay? One more thing. The law cannot save you. All the law can do is point out what you're doing wrong. That's all it can do. Just points out what's wrong. 
You got to have the Holy Spirit to change us, to, to save us. The law could not do since it was weakened by the flesh. God did. He said what he did. He condemned sin in the flesh by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh as a sin offering. So Jesus hung on the cross to pay for our sins, our penalty for sin right there. In order that the law's requirement, so that, that's, that's this morning of Ten Commandments, by the way, that's a ceremonial law to make, it, make us right before God. The sacrificial system, the law's requirement will be fulfilled in us who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. Everything has changed. Everything changes whenever I get to the point to where I see that God is a good Father, and all I want to do now is have a good, close relationship with Him. That's when everything changes. Let's all stand this morning. So your faith is built on the promises of God. So if you don't believe the promises of God, then how can you be saved? He's promised you that if you call upon his name, that you'll be saved. He's promised you that if you will make him your king, you'll be saved. He's promised you that if you repent of your sins, you'll be forgiven. These are all promises. He's a promise maker and a promise keeper. So my question for you this morning is, do you believe in the promises of God? If God makes you a promise, do you believe that promise? And when you believe that promise, do you act on that promise? I don't think any of us in here this morning will say, you know what, I just got a little too much faith. That's what my problem is. I think all of us would be like, man, I mean, if God came to us and said, I'll tell you what I'm going to do, I'm going to, I'm going to give you a little more faith today. I think that we all would take that, right? I mean, I don't think that you'd be here if you didn't. So I mean, like, if justifying faith is that important, then let me ask you a question. Do you think that we should be sincere about working out our salvation with fear and trembling? That we should take this very seriously? That's just thinking, you know what, man, listen, doesn't matter what time I got to be in, work tomorrow. First thing I'm going to do is I'm going to get up. I'm going to at least spend a few minutes in prayer, and I'm at least going to read a few verses. Nothing else. Do, do, is it that important? Do you discipline yourself? So I've, I've, I've given you this challenge over and over again. I'll give it to you once again. If you're not doing that, do it this week. Just one week. Just this week. Every day. Before I start out, get that prayer list on your way out. Just do part of it. Just look over, look over it, kind of think, what do I want to pray about? My family, my day, whatever it may be. They're all in there. Just take a little piece of it, pray a little part of it. Read it, take Matthew chapter 5, start reading the Sermon on the Mount, read a few verses. Do that every day. If your week will go just as bad, your attitude will not. Your week will go just as bad, your perspective will not. If you come back in here next week and you tell me, say, man, David, listen, that all messed me up. The more I prayed, the more I read the Bible, the more angry I was, the more stressed out, then I'll, I'll hear you. We'll sit down and we'll talk. 
I've never had anybody come back. I've been doing this for 20-something years, giving the same challenge out. And everybody that's done this come back to me and say, man, David, I can't believe what a difference that made in my week. And then they go on, do it a month or two. And, and I've had people say, man, I can't believe that. I just changed my, okay, it's not me changing it. It's the word of God and prayer. Okay, I don't, not me getting the credit on this. It's God. Your relationship with God will change your life. That's what it's all about. So, I mean, that's why God sent him down here and said, listen, here's the most important thing. Number one, first one, I'm the only God. No other gods before my face. That's literally what it says. Don't put any more gods before. I don't want to see another one. Melissa's out of town or a family reunion. She comes home today and she says, hey, David, you know, I've been thinking and I've decided that I want to have a couple more husbands. Now, where do you want them? Would you prefer them to be in front or at the side or at the back? Where would you want them? I'm not going to be okay with any location. Does that make sense? It doesn't matter. I don't want to see that. I say, man, David, you are really jealous. Is that, is that unjustified? I think we live, we're in a church culture here. We go by the Bible. We believe it's one, one husband and one wife. We agree with that, don't we? Now, that's not, that's not unreasonable for me to think. That's a covenant relationship I've entered into with Melissa. That's not unreasonable, is it? God is saying the same thing. He said, listen, I don't want to see other, any other gods before my face. Would you worship me? This is the only, listen, only I can fill that place in your heart. Don't bring anybody else, anything else in this spot. Don't. First, got to get that right. Only me. I'm exclusive. I'm all you need. Scott, we thank you today for your goodness and for your grace. God, we thank you for your mercy over our lives, oh God. God, we thank you that you're a good God. So right now, I want you to pray something in your heart. Say, if you're saying, man, I, I, I need to this week, I need to spend some time praying and read my Bible every morning. And right now, I want you to pray that. Just pray something like this. Say, you know, Holy Spirit, help me before I go to sleep at night to make my plans for the next morning. To get up a little early, to get up before the kids. Spend some time with you. Just remind me to get that prayer list on the way out, Holy Spirit. Help me, Holy Spirit, just remind me to get that Bible app set up on my phone. Maybe, maybe you need to record some of your, your prayers on your phone and listen to it while you're driving into work every day. Holy Spirit, just remind me, convict me to do that. So maybe right now you're thinking, you know, I don't, I don't see any evidence of any life transformation in my life. I don't know that I'm really saved. Then we'll just pray something like this. Say, God, I'm struggling over my salvation. I want to be saved, but I'm struggling over it. I don't know if I'm saved or not. I'm not seeing any evidence. Let me see where I truly stand with you. Show me who I can talk to. Give me the courage to talk to somebody before I leave out of here today, Holy Spirit.
So we're going to have communion. So once you, if you're ready, then elements here are at the front, some at the back in front of the sound booth. So go ahead and make your way. Once you get them, you can have a seat. Thank you. Appreciate that, bro. So let's go ahead and read this before we start. It says, I'll look at the screen if you would, please. For I received from the Lord what I also passed on to you. On the night when he was betrayed, the Lord Jesus took bread, and when he had given thanks, broke it, and said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. So here's what I want you to think of. This is all about remembering the death of Christ, laying down his life, so that we can be saved, forgiven of our sins. That's what the whole purpose of this is, is to remember. So let's go ahead and open up and take out the wafer there. Represents the body of Christ. There's something supernatural that happens when we do this. I don't quite understand it. This doesn't become, I don't believe this comes to the, the actual physical body of Christ, but there's something um, mysterious and supernatural, just like in baptism. This doesn't save us, and the act of baptism doesn't save us either, but these are acts of our faith. And so in doing this, we're remembering, we're proclaiming the death of Christ. We're, we're proclaiming what he's done for us. And I mean, th so this is, this is like one of the few things that you can do to actively practice your faith here now in church. It's a practice of your faith. So when I take this, I'm believing. I'm not just believing that, you know, this represents the body of Christ. I mean, I'm truly believing and thinking and considering and contemplating his death. And when I assimilate this wafer, it's that I'm in Christ and Christ is in me. The two are becoming one. So it's, it's an act of our faith when we do this. The most sacred thing we do today is what we're doing right now. We're sitting at the table of Jesus. We're communing with him. One another and all the other saints all around the world that are doing this today and all the saints in heaven. We're communing with all of them the table of Jesus right now. So we come down, we, whenever I do this, I'll, I'll let you pray with me if you want to, you don't have to, but this prayer is a prayer telling him thank you. So if you wanna vocalize this, I believe there's power in our vocalized prayers. You're welcome to do that. If you don't want to, that's fine too. Let's pray. Dear Jesus, thank you for your body. Thank you for the new covenant. Thank you for dying on the cross for my sins. You're my God, you're my King, you're my Lord, and you're my Savior. Let's eat in faith.
In the same way, he also took the cup after supper and said, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. Let's go ahead and open up, if you haven't yet, to the juice. Represents the blood of Jesus. Yeah, you know, just hearing that thunder roll just made me think about the cross. Even more as the the thunder rolled on that day. It was rolled on the day that God gave his Ten Commandments to Moses. The earth was split open on that day when Jesus was crucified on the cross. And it split, it split the temple veil and between the holy place and the holy of holies to where now there's access for everybody to come in the presence of God through the blood of Jesus. As I hear that thunder roll, I think about that, that now you and I, we have free access in the presence of God through this blood, this atoning blood that covers our sins, just as they put the lamb's blood over the doorposts in Exodus. We now, we are coming and we're saying that I have put the blood of Christ over my life. The atonement, I'm covered. The wrath of God passes over us now. Now we've been set free to live free because of the blood of Jesus. So if you want to, you can pray with me. Dear Jesus, thank you for your blood. Thank you for the cross. Thank you for the new covenant. You're my God. You're my King. You're my Lord. And you're my Savior. Let's drink in faith. So while we were out, we went to um, Scottsdale Bible Church. And at Scottsdale Bible Church, on the way in, they handed us um, these little packets for communion. And um, just want to tell you that these little packets, um, I've seen them before. And it's got the, the, uh, had the wafer on one side and the juice on the other. And so when Melissa and I opened it up, that wafer was just like a little bitty piece of gravel that we ate. So just in case you're thinking, man, couldn't they get anything any better? Well, you could get something worse than what we've got, just so you know. We, we experienced that, so. It's sitting quite as bad. It could be worse. But it was interesting going somewhere else and seeing how they, they observe communion, how they commune with the Lord, and that they did it every Sunday as well as a Bible church. And it was interesting, but it was different than doing it here with my family, I tell you that much. This is a different experience. I mean, like when I was there, I just kind of felt a little detached or something, but here it just feels, feels very much more connected. I mean, there's something to be said about having a church family and wonderful churches all around us. But, you know, we choose to be in a church family, and I'm thankful that you've chosen this to be your church. Um, you know, if you feel like you're a little bit disconnected, that's the reason we have community groups. Would love for you to get into a community group, and that's where you really can get more connected. But that's a, that's the offer that we make to you. And there's some community groups that go year-round, and you're welcome to do them anytime you want to. So it's good to see you this morning. 
good to be back. Um, just going to go ahead and warn you right now. Next Sunday, going to talk about idols. So probably want to stay home. It's going to be rough. Let's go ahead and stand up. So if you need to talk to someone before you leave about your salvation, please do that. I'm not in a hurry. There's a whole bunch of other people that are not in a hurry. I'd love to talk to you about that. Also, that prayer list is in the resource room. If you want to get that, start tomorrow morning. Got any more questions about the prayer list, Bible apps, hang around and talk. Let's talk a little bit before you head out. So God, we thank you today for your goodness, for your grace, for your mercy. God, thank you that we got to come to this place today to worship. God, I thank you that you allowed me to be here today. Thank you for the vacation, the time off, the refreshment. But I'm thankful to be back with my family today, God. Such a blessing. So good. You are good to us. God, we want you to be our God. So anytime that our hearts begin to drift off in the wrong direction, chase after other gods, convict us of that. And God, this week, before we get ready to even come in here next week and talk about idols, just Holy Spirit, begin to convict us about the idols we have in our life. Prepare us for next Sunday as we come back and we go a little deeper into the Ten Commandments. So before you leave out here today, I want to pray this over you. The Lord bless you and keep you and make, may the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace as you go in Jesus' name.